Today, I'm going to be asking you a really big question. A big question, people. These are the kind of questions which you might have had with my mates when we've been to the pub a few times and maybe a pint or two have gone down and suddenly the big, deep, meaningful questions come up in life. Maybe you go camping and you're sitting around the fire and deep, meaningful questions of life come up. Philosophical stuff. And I'm going to be asking, one of you, uh, asking you one of these questions. What is the purpose of your life? Thinking, well, it's a Sunday morning, it's half 11, right? I'm not ready for this kind of stuff. What is the purpose of your life? Why do you exist? What is the reason for it? Just spend a moment thinking about that right now, just a couple of seconds. Why do you exist? What is the purpose that you are here? Now, some of you, some people, kind of believe we're here by chance, believe that we're just random particles that have all come together, atoms which have just formed, all happened by chance due to the state of the universe found itself in millions of years ago, and here we are today. We all just happen to be here. You might believe that. And someone who thinks like that could think a way of, well, it's potluck that I'm here, I may as well do whatever makes me happy. Have you heard that phrase? Do whatever makes you happy. Maybe you've even said it to someone. Someone's been pouring out their life to you, saying, I just don't know what to do. Do whatever makes you happy. Maybe you've said that. Maybe you think that. You know, there's a big flaw in that way of, of thinking because sometimes people get on my nerves. Anybody else get on people's nerves? I'm like, Jessica's there, my wife's thinking, yeah, you get on my nerves, Will. You get on my nerves 24-7. But when someone's really annoying you, you can just, maybe if they're really, really annoying you, really offending you, you might just want to punch them in the face or something. You know, just give them a slap around the face. Stop it. You're getting on my nerves. And then you go, no, I can't do that. As much as I might want to do that, I can't do that because something inside me says that would be wrong and unacceptable. Even though slapping you around the face would make me really happy, I am not going to do that because it's the wrong thing to do. So we can't really do whatever makes us happy, can we? We just can't. Maybe you think everything happens for a reason, but you're not sure what that reason is. There's a good mate of mine and uh, I come from a town called Macclesfield, Whoop for Macclesfield, on the other side of Peak District, close to a village called Whaley Bridge. And uh, a mate of mine, he was in Whaley Bridge for some reason, never been Whaley Bridge before. He walks into a shop and he meets this guy who he's never met before. And he had a hugely significant conversation with this complete stranger. And he said to me, Will, it was amazing. It was bizarre. It was meant to be. Everything happens for a reason. And then he said, he said, the universe has caused that conversation to happen. I was like, really? He said, yeah, the universe has. There's like a force in the universe which has caused it to happen. And I said, like Star Wars? A force like Star Wars? No, 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 no. No, not the force like Star Wars, but... The universe, oh, okay. And it's almost like karma, basically. He had done something good, which led to an important conversation, which changed his life. Maybe you think a bit like that. Or maybe you're thinking, I don't know what the purpose of life is. And actually, 
that sucks. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I live. I've got no reason to live anymore, actually. Maybe that's what you're thinking. Maybe that's how you're feeling. Whatever you're thinking today, whatever the answer to that question is, what is the purpose of your life? Today, you're going to be hearing what a Christian thinks about that. What does the Bible have to say on the purpose of your life? And that is really, really good news. It is beautiful news. Just the things we've been hearing uh, throughout the worship time. It's great news. The reason we live, living with God, living with Jesus, it is beautiful, it's wonderful. And we're going to be looking at what the purpose of a Christian life is through one of Jesus' most famous commands. So if you've been here with us on our site Sundays looking at uh, the commands of Jesus, well, the next command we're looking at is the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28. So if you've got a Bible, Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, it'll appear up on screen, we hope. It will, because we trust it. Beautiful. Okay, Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, all the way to the end of the passage. Are we ready, people? Yes. Yes. Come on. Yes, we're there. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Today we're asking ourselves a few questions. What is our purpose? Question number one. Question number two, why is this our purpose? Question number three, how do we fulfill our purpose? And our final question, who helps us live out our purpose? So first things first, question number one, what is our purpose? Our purpose, right, I'm going to get to the passage, I promise you. Our purpose is everything we've been doing so far this morning. This morning, we have just been standing up, maybe sitting down, singing songs of worship to God. We are made to worship him. In fact, Ephesians chapter 1 was mentioned twice, so I thought we may as well go there because God clearly wants us to be in Ephesians chapter 1 this morning. So in Ephesians chapter 1, and in verse 5, one of the verses which... um, Dan uh, read out, says, in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Those of us who are followers of Jesus, those of us who have chosen, chosen, chosen to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, you've been adopted. You're part of the family. And when you're part of a family, You're supposed to love each other. You love each other in a family. And with God as your father, the perfect father, we are to love God and worship him. That is our primary purpose. That's our calling. That's what we are to do. That is the purpose of our lives, is to worship him. In um, Romans 
chapter 12, it, it words it slightly differently. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Our worship, our purpose of our lives is to worship God, to be a living sacrifice to God. Every area of our lives, not just a Sunday morning where we stand or sit down and sing and maybe put our hands in the air and maybe pray out loud. All the time, every moment of our lives. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Every day of the week. We are called to worship him. That is our purpose. And so when we look at this passage, Jesus selling the final things before he ascends to heaven. It is quite clear what our purpose is, isn't it? It says, verse 19 of Matthew 28, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded to you. That is what we are to do. That is our purpose. And these commands, when we look at the commands of Jesus, it's quite easy just to focus straight on these things. Okay, Jesus says I need to go. Okay, number one. Jesus says I need to go make disciples. Okay, number two. Jesus says I need to teach them to obey everything I've commanded. Okay, number three. And you wake up each morning, get up out of bed. Right, here we go people, I've got to go. I've got to make disciples, and I'm going to have to teach everybody to obey everything that Jesus has ever commanded. And it can be a weight, can't it? You wake up in the morning and you're thinking, this is all that I have to do, this is the commands that I do. But that's not the way we're supposed to receive these wonderful commands. These wonderful commands are life-giving. Jesus says elsewhere, he says, I have come to give life in all its fullness. All its fullness. Think about the thing which you find fulfilling in your life. Whatever it might be. Trust me, I know. Man United, I thought would fulfill my life, but they fail every time at the moment. It sucks. And other, other of you might not be Man United. It might be a different football team. I don't know. Or maybe something entirely different. We find life and all its fulfillment in Jesus. In only Jesus. Jesus said that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Walking life with Jesus, walking life with God, it's not burdensome. It's not called to be burdensome. So when we receive the commands of Jesus, when we hear this command, go in, making disciples, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus said, that can become weighty, but it was never supposed to be weighty. It's supposed to be joyful. Joy is different to happiness. I said earlier, didn't I, that do whatever makes you happy is the way that some people can operate. But happiness is fleeting. Happiness is, like I've just said already, when Man United score a goal, but then the minute later they concede. (laughs) Thank you, Jonathan. It's happiness when Man City score a goal. Ah, there we go, there we go, love it. (laughs) Um, Happiness could be putting money on a horse to win a race. And the, the start of the race begins and the horse shoots out and your horse is in the lead. 
yes, I'm going to win this money. My horse is going to win. And then it gets to the first hurdle. And what happens? Your horse falls over it, collapses, out the race. Oh, in a moment of happiness, it's momentary, it's fleeting, and now it's gone. Joy is different. Joy is what Liz prayed out just now. Joy is this deep satisfaction in knowing that you are accepted and loved by God, knowing that he is faithful, knowing that he never changes, and knowing that you are with him. That's deep joy. Totally different to happiness. It means that when bad stuff comes up, we can know, oh Lord, this is hard, this is tough, but I've got you. And it's a joy, deep joy. It's different to happiness. So our purpose is to follow Jesus. Our purpose is to love Jesus. Our purpose is to follow his commands. Those commands are joyful, give joy. And so one of those commands, possibly one of the most important ones, our purpose is to go. Our purpose is to make disciples. Our purpose is to teach disciples to obey everything that Jesus has ever commanded. Number one, what is our purpose? That is our purpose. Why is this our purpose? Why is this our purpose? Well, as Christians, we believe that God has created us. In fact, Whatever you believe, you might believe about the universe has, draws everything together, or maybe you believe that we're just here by potluck. No matter what you believe, this is still the truth. God has made you, and he's made you in his image, and that God loves you, and actually God has called you for a purpose. We were hearing just now from Ali about the kingfisher. The kingfisher, it's always there. You just need to know where you're looking. I thought, come on. That's right, today is a chance. The Lord, I believe, is calling some people today. You might be thinking some of the other stuff I've just said about the purpose of your life, but today the Lord is saying, no, I made you. I know everything about you. I love you. And I've given you a purpose. Ephesians chapter 2. So we've just been Ephesians chapter 1. Let's go Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 10. Any of you, when you're flicking through the Bible, right, do you sing a song to try and find the book in the Bible? Do you not? No, I learned it when I was in, uh, you know, so sing it. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, Acts and Romans follow one. Corinthians 1, Corinthians 2, remember the beat, it's easy to do. La di da di da 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 Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2, Thessalonians. And then it goes something else, but we'll stop there. Ephesians chapter 2. That's just, you can have that for free, all right? When you're flicking through and you're going, where's Ephesians? Let's get the song going, right. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says this, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You are made by God. 
You are God's handiwork. And he created you with a purpose. He's prepared good things for you to do in advance. So if you don't follow Jesus, you do have a purpose. He's calling you to be part of the family. And he's calling you to go and serve him by doing the things that he's called us, all of us to do. Which is what we're talking about today. Christian brothers and sisters, if you're thinking, what's my calling? Have you ever got hung up on that, on that question? What's the calling of my life? Like, am I supposed to be here? Am I supposed to? What is my calling? Sometimes we can just go round and round in circles, can't we? What's my calling? What am I supposed to be doing? Jesus makes it clear. We are to go. We are to make disciples. We are to baptize those disciples. And we are to teach them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. The calling is for all of us, individually and corporately. We are called to do this wonderful thing. So, how do we fulfill our purpose? Let's go back to our passage. Okay. Verse 18, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How do we go? How do we make disciples? How do we teach them? If this command is supposed to be joy-giving and not burdensome, how are we to do it? Well, it's clear just there what I've just read. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus has all authority over it all. I did a little Google, right? I Googled, you know, what authority does Jesus have? You know, just see what does Google have to say about it. I came across a good mate of mine. He's called John Piper. We're very close. We're good mates. And um, he, uh, he had this beautiful list, which I'm going to read out, of Jesus' authority. And it's just glorious, so I'm going to share it with you. This is the extent of Jesus' authority. He has authority to create. If you're making notes, I've got 10, by the way. I've got 10, so get your hands ready. Jesus has authority to create. He has authority to sustain. He has authority to govern nature itself. He has authority over Satan and demons. He has authority to oversee the governs and the affairs of history. On to my second hand now. He has authority over disease. That's why we just prayed for people to be healed. Because Jesus has authority over it. Jesus has authority even over our sin. He has authority over it. He has authority over us coming to know him. He has authority over our conversion. He has authority over death, ultimately. He has authority over death itself, and he has authority over the church, the whole church, us here today, the universal church. He has authority over it all. Jesus has all authority. Sometimes, I think I've heard Francis Chan do it, this guy who's a famous preacher, American fella, and sometimes he'll just get everybody in a room to go, take a big deep breath. <gasps> and he goes, God just allowed you to do that. God allowed you to do that. He has authority. Jesus has authority. And then it 
you know, it's a fact on here, you know, he says all authority in heaven and on earth. And I'm thinking, in heaven? I mean, most of those things I've just mentioned now are kind of earthly things that he has authority over. He has authority over all of heaven too. Like, is it like that? Or is that just me? Mind-blowing moment. Mind-blown emoji right here, right now. But the crazy thing is that Jesus gives us authority. The one who has all authority, he gives us authority. When he sends out the 12 and the 72, if you want to check it out, Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 10, Jesus says, I'm giving you authority. You have authority from him. So when it comes to how do we do these commands, how do we go, how do we make disciples, how do we teach them, we're doing it under the authority of Jesus. We're doing it under the authority that he gives us the strength to be able to do it. Not that we muster it up ourselves. It stops being the, oh, waking up in the morning, I'm going to have to do this, I'm going to have to do that. Oh, it stops being like that. Because it's life-giving. You go, oh, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I can't do this without you. Come and help me. You have all authority. That's what happens. It changes things in us. So let's look a bit more specifically at how do we go? So we've got, I've picked out three commands from the passage for us to go, for us to make disciples, and for us to teach them to obey all of Jesus' commands. How do we go? We can look at what the disciples did when Jesus heard this command. So let's think about what's happened up to this point in Jesus' life. Jesus has been born, the Christmas story, God himself incarnate, born. He's lived for about 30 odd years or so. He's lived a perfect life. He's done nothing ever wrong. He had 12 pretty good mates who he chose for himself, his disciples. One of them betrayed him, handed him over to the authorities to be crucified and murdered. And he died. And then three days later, he rose again from the dead. And then he's had these kind of weird resurrection appearances. You can read them in the Gospels and go, oh, a little bit strange what's going on here. But Jesus is walking amongst the people on earth for a few weeks or so after his resurrection. And now we're up to this point where he's now going to leave earth forever. And he's going to go and sit, say forever, not leave earth forever, but sit at the right hand of God until he's to return again for the second coming. And what the disciples do when, they says, when he says to them, you need to go, they stayed. <laughs> they were told to go, and what they initially did was they stayed in Jerusalem. They stayed in Jerusalem waiting to be, for the Holy Spirit to come, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come on them. And when the Holy Spirit came, they went out into the city they knew oh so well, into Jerusalem. That's where they went. Yes, they did eventually get on to going to all Judea, all Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. They did go that far, but initially they were going where they already were. So how do we go? I want to encourage you today. You are to go where you are already are, if that makes any sense. You are to go where your life is. What you do with your day-to-day life, 
You are to go to those places, going knowing that's where you're going to make disciples. That's where you're going. So I don't know what it is. How do you spend your day? What, what, how is your time filled up? Is it with looking after children? Is it a particular club or a particular hobby? Maybe you're in a paid job. That's where you're to go. You are to go to those places. You're to go with intentionality. I am going there. I'll give you an example of me. So as Dan was just saying, moving house uh, tomorrow. We've got a few guys come and do some, uh, move some stuff, help us out, removal company, take things from one place to another place. I'm going to see those people tomorrow, whoever they are. I don't know who they are. I don't know their names yet. But I can't think in my head. I'm going to spend time with these people, possibly three, four, five, six, I don't know how long. But we've got to think of intentionality. How am I going to make a disciple of them? That's where I'm going. Where are you going? Where are you going tomorrow? Where are you going this week? I've been thinking intentionally for us. This is a little bit different uh, for us potentially to you guys. We are going to move house. We are moving to a different street. And when we get there, okay, we're going to knock on our neighbor's doors. I'm going to knock on the doors. Me and Jessica will go around. We'll knock on the doors. And I'm going to try my utmost to mention Jesus at some point. Mention being a Christian. Mention being part of a church. That's where we go. We are to go to these places. We are to go to where you are. I don't know what your paid job is, but let's just say, for example, if your job was, I don't know, um, Jessica's a radiographer at the children's hospital. So her paid job is to help scan uh, little children uh, who need an x-ray and various other scans like that. The primary purpose for her there is to go and to share Jesus, actually. Now, showing and declaring Jesus there will be doing her job, practicalities of it, really well. That absolutely is part of it. But the primary calling is to, is to make a disciple, is to show the love of God. To go there. Where are you going? Where are you going? And once we go, we are to make disciples. So how do we make disciples a disciple is someone who loves Jesus someone who who worships Jesus who serves others like Jesus someone who loves God and loves others and also points others to Jesus so making a disciple of someone is both with Christians and with non-Christians Sometimes it can get limited down, can't it? So I'm going to make a disciple and that is just with my Christian brothers and sisters. No, no, no. It's with the non-Christians too. And if you focus with actually making disciples with non-Christians, so it's also with Christians too. It's both, both and. We are to make disciples. That is, uh, that is what we are to do. So what is making a disciple? It is a long lifetime process of someone coming to know Jesus. It's someone being baptized. It's someone becoming more and more like Jesus. It's someone learning to obey all of Jesus' commands more and more and more. It is a long lifetime process. It doesn't happen like 
that, or there's not a particular course you can do to become a disciple. No, it takes all of our lives. That is what we are to do. But I just want to pick out on something. Uh, Jesus mentions baptism, mentions being baptized. Being a disciple of Jesus includes getting dunked in water. He says, he tells us to do it. So if you are a believer and you haven't been baptized, I'm just, you know, why is that the case? What, what's the reason for that? I'd love to personally have a conversation with you about that because I see that Jesus is telling us to do it. And for those of you who don't know what baptism is, baptism is this symbolic uh, sacrament which is showing of being dying to your old life and coming out again new. New life to live all for Jesus. That's what baptism's about. It's symbolizing being dead to the old life, raised again, born again, new creation in him. We're to be baptized. Now when it comes to thinking about making disciples, I, I think about people who maybe I could help encourage know Jesus, but I also think about who's going to encourage me to walk closely with Jesus. One of the good mates of mine in this church, um, who's not, uh, not here, um, he's at part of a different site, so I feel like I can mention his name, Sidjo. If you know Sidjo, what a guy. He's one of my best mates because he will point me to Jesus more and more and more. I know he loves Jesus. I know he's serving Jesus, and he helps me do that. I've got to be intentional of who I'm spending time with, and he's intentionally someone who I want to spend more time with because he's going to help me do that. We need to think like that in that sort of way. Who is helping you know more in Jesus, and who can you help to know more of Jesus? We're all called to it. We're all part of it. It's your calling. We are to make disciples. So how do we teach disciples to obey Jesus' commands? I think first and foremost, we need to actually live out Jesus' commands. If we are to teach others to do it, then we need to do it ourselves. We need to show and declare with the way we live our life, our behavior, that we are obeying Jesus' commands. So in the workplace, that's what we are to do. At home, with family, that's what we are to do. We are to do that with Jesus. We ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill us and he will help us do that. I'm going to get to the final question in a moment. Who helps us do it? I know it's a big thing to live out obeying Jesus' commands, but we're going to get to that because it's not a God is with us as he does that. And we have to be as well, as well as living out Jesus' commands, we have to be willing to open our mouths and say something. So I'm uh, starting to do uh, Monday night football uh, on a Monday. Hey, come on, Jonathan, he's loving it. Come on, yeah, it's Monday night football. And, uh, and, and those people who come to Monday night football, they're going to uh, uh, realize that over the next few weeks and months, I'm just going to mention more and more of Jesus every week. And uh, sometimes the temptation can be when you're telling people, saying, we're going to play football in this certain way because it honors God and it loves other people. And as a Christian, that's the way I want to be. and That's the way I want us to play. It can get to the point of saying, you've told them this so many times. Why do you keep on telling them? They've heard it all before. We can get into that temptation to think like that. I've said it already, so I don't need to say it again. Well, 
What's that? Why? Why would we not do that? Surely that's just a temptation to stop bringing Jesus into the conversation. No. We are to keep on talking about it. Teach them to obey Jesus' commands. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. It involves opening our mouths and creating an opportunity to do that. So the house that we just bought off um, uh, this lovely lady... um, we were round there a couple of weeks back doing a bit of measuring up, thinking about furniture and things. And we went into one of the rooms and there was this huge Bible on the floor. I'm talking a Bible, probably about that thick, that big in this massive chest. And it was like, woof, wow. And we saw it and uh, I said to her, I said, Jessica, oh, she's got a really big Bible there. And I thought, I remember that. Hopefully I'll get around to the end of this conversation. I just want to see if I can bring it into conversation to create an opportunity to talk about the word of God. You know what? It was great because she went and said, did you see my Bible in the room? (laughs) And so I ended up having to have a great conversation with her about why she has this big Bible. It's a family heirloom which has come down from generation to generation. Shared the gospel. Shared about what Jesus has done for all of us. We have to be willing to open and create opportunities as well as seeing the opportunities come and jumping on them and taking them. We are to teach people to obey Jesus' commands and to tell them the gospel. So who helps us live out our purpose? Final sentence of the whole of the book of Matthew. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus is with us. As we do all those things I've just said, how do we go? How do we make disciples? How do we teach people to obey Jesus' commands? We don't do this on our own. God is with us. Jesus is with us. Jesus, the one who has all authority over everything, is with us. And he's with us by his Holy Spirit. He's with us by his Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and know the power of the Holy Spirit in us. He enables us to live out our purpose. He helps us do it. Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as a helper. He's our helper. The Holy Spirit is with us to help us. And he helps us with some of the baggage that we carry. Often we can be tempted to think, you know what, I know what God's wanting me to do but I just can't do it right now because of all this stuff which is happening in my life. I can't go, I can't make disciples, I can't teach disciples to obey Jesus' commands because of what's happening in my life right now. The Holy Spirit helps us handle those things and helps us handle those things to be able to continue living out the purpose that he's called us for despite those things. The disciples had baggage Let's read verse 17 of the passage. Matthew is saying here, When they saw him, when the eleven disciples saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Okay, let's think about it for a moment. Eleven disciples, there was twelve of them. Judas has committed suicide because of betraying Jesus. There's now eleven of them left. These guys have seen Jesus do all these amazing miracles. 
They know that he died. They know that three days, and, and they've seen him resurrected and come back from the dead. Yet they still doubted. And we can think, how can they doubt? How can they, who saw the risen Jesus, doubt? That's a really big question. A really big question. And I'm sure we can do lots of deep study into it. But on the surface of it, I just want to say, I actually find it quite deeply encouraging that even those people who saw the risen Jesus had moments of doubt. When we do too, if we do too, we're not alone in that. We're not alone. It almost makes it seem, sound quite normal. Now, 10 of these 11 disciples actually went on to be martyred for their faith. So, and the other one who wasn't martyred for his faith, they tried to kill him, but God didn't let him, basically. I'll tell you what happened to them. Andrew was crucified. Bartholomew was crucified. James, son of Alphaeus, was stoned. James, son of Zebedee, was beheaded. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, a different Judas, he was stoned. Matthew, the guy who wrote this book, was speared. Peter was crucified. Philip was crucified. Simon was crucified. Thomas, who's known as Doubting Thomas, was speared for his belief in Jesus. And John, they boiled in oil and it failed. So he was exiled and he died of old age. All these guys who doubted went on to do incredible things for Jesus. Don't write yourself off. Don't write yourself off. If you're in that place of doubt at the moment, don't write yourself off. We see actually in, uh, in Jude, in Jude verse 22, I think it is, Jude has a direct instruction. Be merciful to those who doubt. Be merciful to those who doubt. If you find yourself in a place doubting something, then I, what I see from that verse is that we are called to be merciful to those who doubt. So if someone is doubting, you can be open. You can share it with a close Christian brother or sister. We're going to be merciful. We're not, you're not going to be reprimanded. You're going to be brought in. You're going to be loved. It is, that is what we can do if we doubt. But I don't know what your baggage is. I don't know what it is. The thing which you're facing, the thing which you're walking through, which you're going, I can't go and do this, Will, because of this is going on in my life. I say, talk to a close Christian brother or sister. Let them disciple you. Let them point you to Jesus. Let them pray for you. Know the Holy Spirit is with you. And God will help you. God will help you. So, coming into lands now, guys, I'll ask the same question as I asked at the start. What is the purpose of your life? Is life all about doing whatever makes you happy? Is life all about going with the flow, knowing the universe will cause all things to happen to you? Or is the God who created everything, who's in control, giving you a reason to exist? And has he told you what that reason is? I believe he has. And as we've been hearing, it's the start of a new term. Should we start off on the right foot? Let's go. Let's go and make disciples. Let's show the love of Jesus. You're going into school. I want to encourage you. I want to pray for you. Go. Knowing that God is with you. You're not alone. The Holy Spirit is with you. Jesus is in authority over that school. 
Go, knowing that he's with you. Going to work. Go, knowing that Jesus is with you. Christmas is coming up. We heard about that earlier, didn't we? Christmas is coming up. And Christmas is a wonderful opportunity to invite someone to a carol service. We don't just go straight in with a flyer, boom. Let's start trying to mention church and Jesus, building up that ground, making that ground ready to receive the invites, to hear the gospel.